Time now for Financial Friday on WOMI with your host, Drew Watson, sponsored by Align Wealth Management. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Using gas to heat our homes, cook our meals, or dry our clothes can be dangerous to our health, especially for kids. But we have the technology to transition the country's infrastructure to clean energy. By encouraging local government and state agencies to electrify buildings instead of using dirty gas, we can clean up a public health crisis in our housing and protect the climate. My name is Matt Vespa. I'm a senior attorney at Earth Justice, and I'm going to court to fight for clean energy. Until safe, affordable, clean energy is an option in every home, I will never rest. Earth Justice is a national legal nonprofit defending the environment and people's health. Earth Justice is fighting to save lives, protect our climate, and strengthen our economy through the shift to zero emissions. If clean air matters to you, visit us at earthjustice.org. Earth Justice, because the earth needs a good lawyer. Welcome back to Shape by Faith. Amy Cavell, coach, motivational speaker. We're talking about her book, Small Hinges Move Big Doors. I love that title, and I love the way you explained it, Amy. So how is your book relevant in today's society? People are really looking for ways to reconnect with each other after all these years of isolation and fear, you know, and it's just simple ways to find joy and build the community again, you know, and these are things that I have learned that have been passed down through generations. And I put it in a book and I honestly thought everybody knew the stuff that I put in the book. I thought it was common knowledge, but I'm learning our society does not have that common knowledge to know how to Hot, you know, host a dinner anymore and how that connects the community or how to talk and listen well, you know, because now we're all texting and there's no more sitting in front of each other and communicating. And so I really like that, that my book is a simple way to find joy, build community, and it's helped to design it around your home, whether you're a Christian or not, because each chapter has like a helpful hint for daily life that is not necessary, that is not Bible-based, but comes from my life coaching experience. So that's the nice blend between the life coaching aspect and the biblical is that every chapter has a life coaching, Amy Hinchak is what I call them. I like that. And then it, it has a journal section. So people who are really like into drawing and writing and getting into it have a place for that to kind of unpack what I've shared with them. Mm-hmm. And then there's God's word there. So it really ties in all aspects of what's going to help you to really get the big doors moving. Hey, is there any subject currently trending in the news, um, because there's a lot trending, that relates to your book? Oh, my gosh, right. This attitude of, I don't need anyone. I don't need anyone. I can do this on my own. But I think you and I both can agree after talking and listening and seeing what's going on here that these stressful times of facing war in, you know, inflation, media, the diverse in politics, and like the, the invasion of technology that's in our lives right now that we need to put the cell phones down and start talking at the table and learning how to do life together. Because honestly, if technology would go down right now, there'd be a ton of people that would not know how to connect and communicate anymore. 
That is so true. My husband and I were just talking about that the other day. And, uh, you know, we were talking about back in the day when they didn't have all that, or even when I was growing up as a child, not, you know, we didn't have the cell phone or anything like that. And, right. and, uh, we worked harder. I mean, we had yes. to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So what makes your book different from the other books like it? It really is that combination of my life coaching skills mixed with the Bible study and like leaving the leader with a can-do list of creative activities that will immediately begin to create more joy in their life. And it, it being a Christian leaving guide, it's not a self-help book though, okay? That's really important because only through faith and hope and the good news of Jesus Christ can you really begin to help yourself. Mm-hmm. That's you know, and that's right. important because I've had some people, oh, you're writing a self-help book. No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think that book's already been written and it is the word of the Lord. <laughs> right. It's called yeah. the living word for a reason. That's right. <laughs> so what do you want your readers to take away from your book? Oh, you know, I just want readers to feel how small, simple, and even like fun changes in the routines can make a huge impact on how they're feeling in their lives and in their homes. Mm. So how did you learn about all this topic? And I know it's from personal experience, but you have to have more than personal experience. Oh, definitely. Um, first, I learned from the women and teens that I did ministry with all these years. You know, I'm a good listener and I know that you can learn a lot from other people. So I learned a lot from these intimate times around the kitchen table on my floor with teens talking. I learned a lot from them. Um, also being a pastor's wife and going through the trauma of losing my dad at a, you know, he, I think he's been gone now for eight years. You know, it was sudden and trying to learn how to handle losing your dad suddenly, um, being a pastor's wife, you know, all of that really inspired me to want to go and learn more about how to understand your emotions. And so I went through um, training on how to understand your emotions through a counseling center and trained up there, went to the Health Coach Institute, because I really cared about understanding health and life, wellness, and really understanding that stuff better. So I went there. Um, and I also think, you know, with speaking engagements and hosting groups and planning conferences and retreats, you know, having a musical theater background was also really helpful because it's all about communication. Successful people are good communicators. And so mm -hmm. having that background has really helped me succeed um, and what I'm doing and, and how I talk and communicate God's word. And, you know, it's all in your background helps you for sure, but God's placed it in you in your DNA, how you present him to other people, how you carry yourself, the confidence. It's not arrogance. It's, right. it's that confidence from the Lord. And it's knowing who you are in Christ Jesus mm -hmm. um, in, in the way that you carry yourself. And, and, and people are drawn to that. I mean, they may not know what it is, you know, if they're not a follower of, of Christ, but it will draw them in and then you'll have time to listen to them <laughs> to explain. Yeah. Um, is there a particular passage from your book you'd like us to utilize? And if so, um, what is it? Oh, I love this one. Um, it says that uh, hinges only go one way. What happens when you try to push or force a door the wrong way? It won't open. You run into the door. You feel stuck or complacent. Strength, a singular person's intensity or feeling or belief. It's not enough to move the door either. We need a bigger strength than our own. No matter how strong we are, life is going to be filled with stressful and difficult circumstances. We need God's strength to handle it. We don't have to feel like we have it all together. So ladies, read that again. Now say that out loud five times. I don't have to have it all together. Mm -hmm. 
That is so good. I wish we had more time. Amy, you're going to have to come back on as a guest. So what's your social media contact information? Oh, for sure. Check me out at, um, we are at amycavell.com. And then I'm also Amy Cavell on Facebook and Amy Cavell Instagram. And those are great places to find my information and reconnect with me. Thank you so much, Amy. You've been so inspiring today. I mean, I'm motivated. I am motivated. Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. And thank you for listening. I'm Teresa Rowe. Everyone have a blessed day. Bye. Thank you for listening to Shape by Faith with Teresa Rowe. Remember to visit shapebyfaith.com to find out more about workouts, the TV show, podcasts, blogs, Shape by Faith products, and much more. From the Cabinet Doors and More studio, this is WOMI Owensboro, 99.1 FM and 1490 AM. The following program is paid for by Rainmaker Incorporated. Hello and welcome to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and boy, do we have a great show for you on uh, May 19th, 2023. Uh, In this part of the country, we've been lucky enough to have what I would call Chamber of Commerce type uh, weather uh, this week with uh, the sun shining, some light showers, etc., and the markets uh, are looking to break a two-week losing streak, and things have been led by the tech-heavy NASDAQ, and one of the bellwether stocks of the NASDAQ, uh, old uncle NVIDIA, was up about 15 bucks yesterday, um, muscling well above the $300 uh, per share threshold, and stocks in general uh, were in the green across the board as I think more and more people are hopeful that a debt ceiling default, um, you know, uh, miss does not happen. Now, the uh, the item that hasn't fared well this week has been gold. Gold's having its worst run since February. Uh, it went out around the 1957 an ounce mark uh, yesterday, down a full percent and a quarter. Uh, so we're about $100 off the recent high put in by gold uh, not that long ago. West Texas uh, Intermediate Crude uh, went out just under $72 a barrel uh, in the high 7190s. Uh, some of our favorite commodities here, such as lumber, that which we've been tracking since the pandemic, um, lumber's continued to see you know a, a pretty good decline across the board. And... Um, this week is uh, no exception to that, as lumber has uh, stayed, uh, you know, pretty, pretty uh, consistent. Live cattle, uh, speaking of consistency, right around uh, 165 per 100 pounds, and elsewhere in the commodity complex, um, we've seen prices continue to uh, basically moderate from where we are. Nothing too exciting uh, that's jumped out this this week. Uh, and really, I'd say uh, gold's been the main story. Something that we'll start paying a little bit more attention to is old Dr. Copper. Uh, copper um, should prove constructive. Uh, we're about 369 right now, which, uh, you know, that's right in the mid midpoint of its chart. As uh, that may be a good canary in the coal mine, whether or not we look towards a global or U.S. recession versus uh, an expansion 
in the global economy. And boy, do we have a great show for you today. We'll talk more default news. We'll talk uh, more financial planning items for you. And a focus on the energy sector is coming up next. Keep listening to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management right here on this station. We will return after a word from our sponsors. What do you want to do when you grow up? When we were young, it's a question we were often asked. As we get older, our passions become clearer. Our pursuits become careers. And if we're diligent, we begin to plan for the life we want to live. That's why at Ameriprise Financial, we ask what's most important to you? Starting with our confident retirement approach, your Ameriprise Financial Advisor will ask questions that will help you arrive at a customized plan that can help you realize your goals today, tomorrow, and throughout retirement. With the right financial advisor, life can be brilliant. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc. today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Office is located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and this is the investment spotlight section of our show where we take a deeper dive in uh, specific sectors or stocks. As always, there is no uh, solicitation to buy or sell any uh, stocks, just uh, general information that you might use as a good takeaway um, from the show. So today we're going to take a deeper dive courtesy of Ameriprise's IRG Investment Group uh, and look at what we could say the first quarter 2023 energy earnings uh, led us to believe. And, and definitely a lot of uh, investment houses um, do follow energy as it's a huge part of the economy. And um, you know, midweek, just to put things in perspective, uh, benchmark uh, West Texas Intermediate oil price was around $71 uh, a barrel. Um, and that's, um, you know, down about 11% uh, from January 1st. Now, also, a lot of people do remain constructive on the commodity due to potentially strengthening Chinese oil demand in the second half of 2023 plus sluggish supply growth due to an underinvestment in finding new oil reserves since 2014. Uh, so that, you know, we're going on a decade where the uh, search for black gold, as Jed Clampett would say, or Texas tea, uh, you know, may be putting us in an area where uh, there is less and less or tighter supply. So, uh, you know, of course, a U.S. and or a global recession could uh, send oil prices lower, but that's kind of where we are uh, as of uh, May, you know, 19th, 2023. Now, during the earnings season, uh, the most positive commentary came from the oil field services sector, especially from companies with leverage to the offshore and international markets. There was a consistent message of rising demand and strengthening backlogs. Specifically, there was a lot of positive commentary regarding the offshore market, with oil prices trading consistently above $70 a barrel for more than a year. Uh, there's a belief that oil companies are increasingly confident in pursuing large-scale offshore drilling projects 
which often involve large capital spending commitments. Several companies in the offshore sector expect significant order and backlog growth over the next few years. Note that the oil industry has underinvested in finding new oil and gas reserves, as I said, uh, since 2014, uh, and that could be an important catalyst for this increased offshore uh, drilling for the next year to two years. Um, you know, also, if you look at E&P companies, uh, that's exploration and production, uh, those returns could remain attractive. And the first quarter results of this year were mostly in line to better than expected. Cash flow generation and variable dividends were mostly down quarter over quarter and year over year, primarily due to lower oil and natural gas prices and higher oil field services cost. Nonetheless, Dividend yields remain attractive uh, as most in most analysts view with annualized second quarter uh, 2023 fixed plus variable dividend yields uh, around 6% for some companies. Many ENPs have adopted fixed plus variable dividend structures in the last two years, which I believe makes the sector significantly more attractive for investors. Historically, uh, exploration and production companies spent as much as 120% of cash flow to fund drilling. That's, uh, you know, the reason why it's more than 100 is you had some debt in there and with little regard for shareholder returns. Typically, the highest spending occurred in times of high commodity prices and elevated oil field service costs, resulting in low returns on capital through the cycle. Also, these companies were historically focused on production growth rather than shareholder returns, resulting in high U.S. oil production that in some cases oversupplied the global oil markets and drove down prices. The change in EMP management philosophy has been significant in the last one to two years. Many exploration and production companies are paying out 50% to 70% of their free cash flow in variable dividends while growing production minimally. Investors are still getting comfortable with these new structures, and in my view, uh, there's a belief that the sector is now significantly more attractive to investors and could result in a multiple expansion over the next 12 months. Uh, finally, if oil prices do strengthen over the next 6 to 12 months, cash flow and variable dividends should rise, providing additional catalysts for the sector. Keep listening to Financial Fridays right here on this station, and we'll be back with our financial planning segment in 60 seconds. When today is unpredictable, you need sound advice and strong support to help you stay focused on your long-term financial goals for tomorrow. Ameriprise has been guiding clients through challenging times for over 125 years. You can take comfort in working with an advisor who's backed by that strong experience and who's there to guide you with personalized, goal-based financial advice. Together, you and your Ameriprise advisor can plan your future while navigating your now. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Offices located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and this is the financial planning segment of our show where we're going to take a deeper dive uh, with your financial planning topics. Today, we're going to explore what might happen at the end of 2025 with income taxes 
and where we might be back to uh, just in a few short years. So in case you're wondering, the, the tax cuts that went into effect, I think, in 2018, uh, if nothing happens in Washington and no one can, can agree on anything, are set to automatically expire at the end of 2025. Now, the reason why we're exploring this topic is the fact that the expiration of these tax cuts may be uh, more of a, uh, I don't want to say certainty, but may have a higher uh, probability of happening because it doesn't appear anything can get done and no agreements can be reached in the U.S. Congress. Specifically speaking, I think, uh, you know, some people may claim the keystone of what Trump has done as, was, as president was uh, this tax cut program. And uh, most notably, it did reduce um, some of the tax brackets. Uh, it reduced the number of tax brackets. It put in... Um, you know, reductions on what people could use as itemized deductions. And just from a cursory look, if we did, in fact, go back to the way it used to be, obviously there would probably be some winners. And anytime there's winners, that means there has to be losers. Uh, because this radio show is not um, T-ball league where everybody gets a trophy. In economics, anytime there is a lo loser, there's a winner. And anytime there's a winner... Uh, there is a loser, and as Milton Freeman famously said, there is no such thing as a free lunch. But a couple of the things that would jump out is is currently, if you have children under the age of uh, 17, you get a pretty healthy tax credit. I would say uh, potential winners would be you know, households that have kids that are still qualifying as dependents, but over the age of uh, 16 in that if you remember we used to all uh, every person had an exemption um, of a you know somewhere 2800 to 4000 dollars that was a personal exemption and if you have a lot of kids 17 to say 24 in college that you can uh, legitimately qualify as a dependent you would get a dependency exemption for them along with yourself and if you're married your spouse, uh, whereas there is no such thing as dependency exemption anymore. If you're a high income earner or own a lot of properties, uh, to go along with this scenario, uh, you would also be able to deduct, again, your full amount of your state and local taxes, sometimes uh, referred to as the SALT deduction. S-A-L-T, state and local taxes. So, for example, if you're uh, in Kentucky and let's say you make half a million dollars a year, you have a big house uh, on a beautiful avenue uh, in a town with lots of dogwoods and azaleas, and let's say your income tax from the state of Kentucky is about $25,000. Uh, let's say your community that you live uh, on the beautiful avenue has a punitive um, net profit or uh, payroll tax of another couple percent, that's, that's another uh, $10,000. Uh, 
and let's say your property taxes on your beautiful home and cars are another $10,000. So in that scenario, that's about $45,000 in state and local taxes that you pay that currently you're only able to itemize $10,000. So, so right off the bat, your uh, itemized deductions would increase by about $35,000 in that scenario. Now, here's the dark side of returning uh, to the... Uh, tax cuts. Uh, back in the old days, the highest marginal tax rate was 39.6%, and today it is uh, 37. But if you're listening to the program and you say, Drew, I'm not a big money man or big money woman, uh, this may not hurt me. Well, if you can remember, um, currently we have a 10% tax bracket on the lowest amount of money made, then 12, um, and then 22, and then 24. Back in the old days, uh, we had a 15% bracket, and let's say that took the place of the 12%. You may think, well, that's not bad. That's just 3%, but essentially that's a 25% increase um, in what you'd have to pay on that marginal dollar in that tax bracket. But uh, more importantly, uh, you jump right up to 28%. And from going from 15 to 28 is almost a 100% increase in liability. And uh, I think when these tax cuts went into effect and people uh, discussed that this is really going to help the middle class, you know, what could be read into that is, you know, by reducing that 28% bracket uh, and 15% bracket to 24, 22, and 12, that's where there's been a lot of tax savings generated. Now, taxes, kind of like real estate, are all local, meaning that it all depends on your specific situation. So to decide whether or not you would be a net winner, a net loser, or perhaps break even, you know, it's going to take an analysis of your specific situation to know where you stand. But generally speaking, uh, if you know, you're kind of a retiree and your house is paid off, you don't have much state and local taxes and you are not itemizing anyway, chances are you'll probably could be paying more potentially if we go back to the way taxes were. A couple of things that haven't been discussed because really um, they're important but are often overlooked by politicians and um, most uh, news people. One, the taxability of Social Security never changed. So uh, Reagan, I think back in 82, uh, was the first person to put in and make uh, taxes uh, apply to a certain percentage of Social Security benefits. Um, and the figures that they used back in 82, guess what? Here's a shocker, are still the figures in play today. So there's been no inflation adjustments. Now, even if you had a 2% inflation rate straight line from 1982 to 2022, that's 40 years, um, those brackets should have doubled and then some, but they have stayed steadfast. So this is how I think in my mind the government can uh, get more in its coffers is they use little known uh, tax law to basically impugn most people that have uh, 
plan for retirement. So that's that's number one. That has never changed, and that wouldn't change if we went back to the way taxes were. The other thing that hasn't been discussed much is there didn't used to be an ACA subsidy or what they call now the net investment income tax of 3.8%. So if you're a single person, once you're over 200000 you have to pay that in addition to your top rate. If you're married, filing jointly, uh, anything over the quarter of a million mark, that, that comes in. So if in that $500,000 married filing joint example, um, currently that rate is the 37 plus the 3.8, which is 40.8, which is higher than the 39.6. So even though our tax situation may, may change, so to speak, uh, what we don't know is what exactly uh, will transpire with some of those very important but unmentioned parts of the tax code. And my experience you know, doing this for 30 years is it's what's unmentioned and important that usually comes back and bites you on the rear end. You're listening to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. We'll be back in 60 seconds after a word from our sponsors. What do you want to do when you grow up? When we were young, it's a question we were often asked. As we get older, our passions become clearer, our pursuits become careers, and if we're diligent, we begin to plan for the life we want to live. That's why at Ameriprise Financial, we ask what's most important to you? Starting with our confident retirement approach, your Ameriprise Financial Advisor will ask questions that will help you arrive at a customized plan that can help you realize your goals today, tomorrow, and throughout retirement. With the right financial advisor, life can be brilliant. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc. today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Office is located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and this is the email bag segment of the show where we answer your questions with regards to financial matters. As a reminder, you can always email me at william.a.watson at ampf.com and we will get to your questions. Uh, this week, the questions have come in regarding what happens if the U.S. Uh, defaults on its debt and can't pay its bills. Well, um, this has been a, a point of contention, unfortunately, across many years here in the last uh, decade, decade and a half, as our politicians, you know, uh, don't focus on real issues, in my opinion, uh, and uh, kind of try to I guess, satisfy the electorate with uh, bells and whistles instead of uh, looking at a long-term uh, way to uh, govern the country. But be that as it may, the U.S. does have a pretty hard and fast, uh, you know, firm set of, uh, I would say, flow of front funds responsibilities. And first and foremost, interest on the debt gets paid, then government benefits. So, uh I know we've had a lot of questions regarding whether or not Social Security 
payments will be stopped, uh, people on disability not getting checks, etc. But generally, that is uh, just behind the pole position uh, payment operator of uh, interest on the debt. Now, with that said, the people at the tail end of the dog on collecting money from the federal government, um, you know, kind of last uh, would be vendors to the federal government. So, I mean, if you're operating a uh, business where you're a vendor at one of the Army bases or government building, um, you know, any type of government facility, you would probably be um, on the hind teat, as they used to say in uh, farming language, on getting any money out of the government. But as we saw when the U.S. government debt was downgraded uh, several years ago from AAA rated to uh, AA, I think that was by Moody's or S&P, really after kind of the headlines had passed, uh, there wasn't much uh, of an impact on U.S. government debt. The market essentially still sees it as a global risk-free asset. Uh, As a a guy I used to know, I always said, uh, today's headlines, it's tomorrow's kitty litter. But generally, there was a lot of uh, hubbub about that. But at the end of the day, there really wasn't much of anything that went on uh, with regards to um, meaningful or material deterioration in the quality of U.S. Treasuries. Uh, with that said, you know, if, if the U.S. were to go into an outright default, uh, which is a kind of low probability but high impact scenario where for whatever reason they refuse to pay their creditors, um, you know, there would be at least temporarily some uh, outcomes that I don't think any financial uh, forecaster could kind of forthrightly um, totally understand. Uh, Because typically when countries do that, the borrowing cost that they must uh, incur go up uh, rather dramatically. So some of these, uh, I think most recently, call them uh, Latin American countries and or Eastern European countries that have potentially defaulted, have seen their borrowing costs triple overnight. Now, uh, that's not a permanent condition, but it does, uh, you know, bring things into, uh, you know, what I would say, stark contrast. So, if you kind of bear with me in a worst case scenario, if the U.S. defaulted, and there again, this is a worst case, not saying this is even what I think would happen, is you could see borrowing costs potentially in the U.S. go up. Now, that would, perversely enough, send more investors in to buy U.S. denominated government bills because at the end of the day, uh, even after the U.S. was downgraded, the world investment community still saw it as a the safest uh, place to invest. Or, and a long-time investment analogy is it was the cleanest, dirty shirt in the laundry basket. And with a mass entry of buyers of U.S. debt, rates would turn around and go lower. Now, the other thing that would happen if our rates were to uh, go up exponentially, the U.S. dollar would strengthen um, 
almost overnight against most major currencies. So, for example, uh, against the eurozone or the British pound, where um, you know the dollar is a little bit weaker now. So, what that means is if you fly into London and give them a hundred dollar bill, you get back less than a hundred pounds. Uh, if you fly into Paris and give them a hundred dollar bill, they give you back less than a hundred euros. Um, if rates were to go up uh, and were to strengthen like they did last year, uh, you know, temporarily at least, if not longer, exchange rates would see a huge change where when you flew into London and gave them $100 U.S. dollars, you would get back more than 100 British pounds. Or when you flew into Paris or somewhere on the continent that's in the Eurozone, you would give them a $100 bill and get back more than 100 euros. You know, that is the uh, extent of how we could see a default playing out uh, with some unintended consequences. Now, there's no doubt there would be casualties and collateral damage across the financial landscape that no one could accurately predict with exact certitude how that would take place. But certainly, we could see a number of uh, potential opportunities. But keep in mind that if U.S. rates were to skyrocket, more than likely you would see a number of investors pile into U.S. bonds uh, to take advantage of that opportunity as they would surely see it. Although being temporary, but um, it would be an opportunity nonetheless for them to make money that they would think in a fairly riskless asset. Um, so that's, you know, that's what would potentially happen. Now, would there be panic and would there be kind of crazy things happen? More than likely, yes. And I would say, you know, a thing to keep an eye on more than anything uh, in this situation, uh, so let's go back to what's been the disaster of this year has been the banking um, problem. If interest rates were to go up that much, the value of the bonds on the bank's balance sheets, U.S. government bonds, would go down even more than what they did to create the problems at Silicon Valley Bank and New York Community Bank and, um, you know, uh, all these banks that have, have had problems, and that would more than likely as a kind of, I think, follow-along problem, it could create um, definitely a potential banking crisis here in the U.S. Um, that uh, a lot of people hope are hoping has been... Uh, you know, is under control or has been slightly averted. There again, that, that is probably a secondary effect or a knock-on effect, as they say in economics, of what could happen as a result of a default is you have some more banks. This program would, uh, has been paid for by Rainmaker Incorporated. This is WOMI Owensboro, 99.1 FM and 1490 AM. Translator W256CF, a Town Square media station. He's asking for a lot more help fending off Russia's invasion. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky went to Saudi Arabia today, meeting with Arab leaders. A noble call to all of you to help protect our people, including Ukrainian Muslim 
community. The Saudi Arabian Crown Prince offering to mediate talks, trying to end the war. Now, Sunday, Zelensky will go to Japan to meet with President Biden and other world leaders at the G7 summit. They pledge to help Ukraine as long as it takes and are also working on what a senior White House official calls a de-risking from China. Careful not to use the word decoupling. The Chinese very upset, saying that the G7 needs to stop hyping the China threat. The fact is, though, China has been helping the Russian economy, buying their products, as well as companies in China giving items to Russia that could be used in military equipment. Fox Business Network's Edward Lawrence at the summit. The U.S. military is backing off a claim earlier this month that a drone strike in Syria killed a senior al-Qaeda leader. The family of the man hit by a missile says he wasn't part of a terror group, just tending to his sheep. There was a shooting at a manufacturing plant in Ohio. It looks like a targeted attack against one male victim who uh, has been pronounced deceased. Moraine, scene. Moraine Police Sergeant Andrew Paris says the gunman also wounded somebody else, then shot himself. Both are hospitalized. In New Mexico, they've released body cam footage from Monday's mass shooting in Farmington. That's when police killed the 18-year-old gunman, Bo Wilson, who was on a shooting spree, firing at random, walking down a street. Now, Wilson was a high school senior just one day away from graduating on a neighbor's ring video. You could hear him yelling, come kill me, please do not have a motive. But they found a note in his pocket saying, if you're reading this, I'm the end of the chapter. Fox's William Lodge and as three women were killed, a 97-year-old and her 73-year-old daughter, a 79-year-old also died, six others wounded. America's listening to Fox News. Maxwell, she was scratching and losing some hair. My vet, she says, oh, he must be allergic to chicken. Another vet said, eat the drain. Third vet says, it's the weather. Then somebody said, D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. It took two weeks and the dog stopped itching. The hair stopped falling out. The Dynavite is a big part of Maxwell's diet. You get some Dynavite, how happy your dog will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Newsmax is conducting an urgent poll asking if Tucker Carlson should be on Newsmax with a primetime show. Vote in the Newsmax poll. Let us know you want Tucker on air. Text RESPOND to 39747. That's RESPOND to 39747 and we'll send you the poll. Let your voice be heard. Text the word RESPOND to 39747 and make the switch to Newsmax. Millions are watching. Texting enrolls for automated text messages. Message and data rates may apply. Stocks a little mixed on Wall Street so far today. The Dow is up 43 points. The S&P 500 is gaining nine, but the Nasdaq is now losing one. The price of oil is up almost a dollar, back over 72 bucks a barrel, while gas inches up a bit. AAA's national average for regular, 3.54 a gallon. That, though, same price we were paying a week ago, 14 cents less than a month ago. Disney has a new issue in Florida. Ditching plans to build an office complex that would have brought 2,000 jobs from California. Some workers had already moved to Florida in advance. It follows Disney and Governor Ron DeSantis sparring over DeSantis signing legislation banning certain school instruction about sexual orientation and gender identity. Disney filing a First Amendment lawsuit against the governor and other officials. The governor ending Disney's self-governing district in retaliation. And Disney's CEO calling the governor anti-business. A rep for DeSantis, who is expected to launch a 2024 presidential run, calls the cancellation unsurprising, citing what they call Disney's financial straits, falling market cap, and declining stock price. Kristen Goodwin, Fox News. They played a lot of hockey last night in Raleigh, North Carolina. The opening game of the NHL Eastern Conference Final went to overtime, and then another, and then another, and yet another. The truck with a shot! He scores! 
He finally won it for Florida with about 12 seconds left in the fourth OT on TNT at almost 2 o'clock in the morning. The Panthers beat the Carolina Hurricanes 3-2. It was the sixth longest NHL game ever. Now, in the NBA playoffs, the Denver Nuggets beat the L.A. Lakers again, 108-103, now leading two games to nothing in the Western Conference Finals. In Rochester, New York, this morning they finished round one of the PGA Championship. Round two is underway. Bryson DeChambeau is the leader now at four under par. I'm Dave Anthony. This is Fox News. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.